All right, guys, welcome back to the study of Exodus. Here we are, Genesis through Exodus, Revive School in full effect, and you're continuing to press in every single day. That's what the, the priests were supposed to do, right? Minister every day. You know, in Acts 19, it says Paul had daily discussions with the 12 students at the school of Tyrannus. And so that's what we're doing. We're plowing through on a daily basis. Now, to give you a backdrop, before we get to Exodus 36, just real quick, Exodus 34, the Lord and Moses are talking. Moses ends up, he's given the Ten Commandments. And Moses just pleads with him, please, please, please make sure you're coming with your people. And God says, okay, fine, I'm with you. Don't have a covenant with the Canaanites. I want you to worship only me. And so they have this great conversation about how they're all supposed to celebrate what the Lord is doing. And so in Exodus 35, Moses gathers everybody together and says, Hey guys, this is what I've heard from the Lord. And in the meantime, his face is shining because he's been in the presence of the Lord. And he tells him, we got to build a tabernacle. You know, I feel like a game show or something or like a reality show. Let's build the tabernacle. <laughs> all right, so here's what this is going to look like, right? This is what they're going to build. Bezalel and Olihab and all these skilled craftsmen and, and artisans, okay? They are, they're supposed to build what the Lord has shown Moses. And what I love is, is God is also saying, yeah, but I need you to collect an offering in this process. So now in verse 1, Bezalel and Oholiab and all the skilled people are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. Okay, Nelson's uh, one of the commentators. He breaks down what it means to, to be a skilled person. So th there's some qualifiers. Now, first of all, you know, let's ask the peanut gallery just for fun over here. <laughs> They're just laughing the whole time. Can the skilled people be men only, or is it men and women? Uh, let's go to Rich. Remember, it's a game show. <laughs> Rich, what do you got? I'll take um, the Daily Double for 100, Alex. Which is? Um, men only. And it is men and women that can be a part of this, okay? Exodus 35, 20 through 22, and 25. So Bezalel and Aholiab, and then men and women are the skilled people that can play this part. Now, another component, okay? Uh, you know, I feel like I should write. Let's write some of these down on. What does this look like to be a skilled? Uh, pardon me if you guys see my breath right now. Uh, it, it's a little chilly in here. I, I think actually in our studio, no lie. Kevin, what do you think our temperature is right now? It's like 62 and dropping. It's 62 degrees in here and dropping. Kevin's wearing a beanie hat. Tom wants to pull his jacket over his head, and I'm trying to write, and I don't even know if it's coming out right now. So these skilled people, okay, you have men and women that are a part of this. Now, also, what I love is, is that their heart, Nelson says this, their heart must be willing, okay, and stirred. Like, they have to want to be a part of this process. They have to be motivated to actually want to accomplish the task. This fits under... The skilled people that comes from Exodus 35, 5, 21, 22, and 26. Now, another component of this, well, it's just, you know, you got to make this kind of fun. The skilled people, they're men and women, and, right, uh, their heart must be willing and stirred. Another component of these skilled people, okay, this sounds obvious, but they need to be skilled. <laughs> I'm telling you. That one right there, pure genius, okay? <laughs> they need to be skilled and gifted to actually carry it out. I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but it's like, hey, can you make a cabinet? Nope, never made a cabinet in my life. <laughs> how about some curtains? What are curtains? No, so like these guys know how to carry out 
like their assignment. So God's not going to hire any idiots to do this. And so men and women, hearts willing and stirred, and they got to be skilled and gifted to carry out the assignments. Again, multiple uh, verses, Exodus 35, verses 10, 25, 34, 35, and then Exodus 36, 1 and 2, just talking about how they are so skilled and gifted in what they do. And then I, I really like this one, and this one makes sense to me. They have to be generous with their skill. Like they can't hold back as well as, now watch this, they have to be generous with their skill as well as their possessions. So no tightwads with their skills or their possessions here. These guys have a mentality of pure generosity. Again, Exodus 35, 5, 22, and 27, and then Exodus 36, 3 through 7 show they're generous with their skill and they're generous with their possessions. And then what you're going to see with their skilled people is that you will see a finished product. Again, this comes from Nelson's. And this is really, really key. The finished product will show excellence. It'll show excellence. Like there's no, they're not cutting corners. They're not taking anything that's going to, they're, they're following, they're obeying what Moses has been instructed from the Lord. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and all of these skilled people right here, they're to work based on everything that the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. This is a construction team right here. I mean, that's what it is. We're describing how do you hire a construction crew. And so in verse 2, so Moses summoned Bezalel, Oheliab, and every skilled person in whose heart, you see how this language, you're going to start seeing this, whose heart the Lord had placed, wisdom, everyone whose heart moved him to come to do the work and do it. Like, you don't, when somebody is called, you don't have to convince them. Ah, should I or should I not? Ah, should I do? No, if your heart is moved, you're going to come and do the work. Your calling is on that. Now, how many times has Rich, you and I have said, to do time revive, like, you have to understand, this is not a job. This is truly a calling. Your heart has to be stirred in order to move in that direction. And I think that's what these people had to understand. In order to build a place where the presence of God could dwell. Now in verse 3, it says this, uh, they took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making the sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Can you imagine that? Like, like there was no GoFundMe. <laughs> I mean, there was no email campaign for finances. There was no letters being sent out. Hey, this is the need. God wants to dwell. God wants to move here. Would you be willing to donate? I mean, really, that's what it is. Would you be willing to give up in order for this to take place? All right, guys. Um, hey, who wants to give money towards the tabernacle? Uh, you know, nah. <laughs> Can you imagine saying no? Nobody did. I mean, they just kept giving. I can't say that officially that nobody did. I just know that over and over People were showing their generosity. I'm going to talk more about this generosity here in two verses, so hang in here. And then it says in verse 4, Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work for the sanctuary, they came. This is really cool. Uh, they came one by one from the work they were doing. I don't know, Rich, Kevin, Jeff, when you guys hear that, what, is, what do you think that means? I think this is a pretty cool verse. I think they were already doing skilled, you talked about skilled labor, they were already working in somewhat, and they came. They yeah. left that, come to do this. 
Yeah, so God, it was kind of like David playing the harp, right? And then all of a sudden the Spirit of God came on them, came on David, and he got to play this. It's the same concept, I think, absolutely. Rich, you want to add anything to that? These guys who were skilled craftsmen, they kind of, there's probably some guys in the group, and they kind of looked at it and went, man, there's no way Fred down there is going to capable of building it. It'd be a leaning tower, it'd be a leaning tent. <laughs> so we better step up our game and go uh, do yeah. what we know how to do. Yeah. I mean, this is the only, at this point, I mean, God-designed building that you, that we have. And Moses tells all these guys, this is how you're going to build it. And I'm going to read a quote because I believe what this shows, okay? And I'm really not an artsy guy. I'm not a guy that loves to get into the arts and the museums. In fact, I, I completely get bored with it. Like if I go look at a painting, I'll look at it for longer than three seconds. It's a move of God. But that's actually the average person, you know? But when I'm looking at something like Mindy does here, like you just sense God is in that painting. And I'm willing to bet the same went with the tabernacle. Like, I'm just willing to bet there's something crazy about what God is describing. And so I want to read a quote about art. Okay, because I really believe there's beauty in the skilled uh, artisans. There's beauty in the skilled craftsmen and, and how they're wired. And Samuel Mather says this, All the arts are nothing else but the beams and rays of the wisdom of the first being in the creatures. Shining and reflecting thence upon the glass of man's understanding. And as they come, so to him they tend. And what I love about this quote is, is like what we do exemplifies like how he's wired us. And then he gets the glory. Like that's the beauty in all of this, that God is using mankind and God is, is we're revealing his beauty through our, our actions. In Psalm 27, verse four, it talks about, how this place right here is beautiful. Psalm 27, verse 4. And, and go back to the skilled craftsmen. Bezalel and Oheliab and, and the skilled craftsmen, men and women, they're building this. And he says, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. Men and women who were gifted to do this have created an atmosphere that shows the beauty of the Lord. One more illustration of this, this beauty is Psalm 96, verse 6. And again, it, it's talking about how art, so if those that are artistic, which I am completely not, those that are artistic, you show the beauty of God. Psalm 96, verse 6 says, Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Hands that have been skilled and gifted from the Lord show the beauty of the Lord. I don't know. I just don't want to overlook. Sometimes I'm so work driven. I'm so works based and like just getting things done. I think sometimes I forget just to slow down and recognize the beauty of God. And so one by one, people were leaving what they were doing for something bigger, something that pointed more towards towards him. And can I just say, even in the church world, you know, I think it would be incredible if one by one we, we came together. One by one, we left our little posts, our little anthills at times and said, you know, there's something greater. There's something for the kingdom of God that maybe we should all come together. Because I'm pretty sure that when we see the church of Dallas or we see the church of the Twin Cities or the church of Elkhart County, that's how God sees it. He sees it as one church, not multiple little things. And so one by one, what if we came together to show people the beauty of the Lord? It means we've got to leave our posts just like these skilled craftsmen. Because when you do, people want to dwell and be in His presence. And, and in verse 5, I'm in Exodus 36. The people, okay, 
Remember, it said in verse 3 that they're continuing to bring free will offerings every single morning. But now in verse 5, it says the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. <laughs> like, this is the beginning. Finally, in Exodus 36, the beginning of the construction. How many of us are tired of the Lord telling somebody to do something, but we've never gotten there yet? Like, Oh yeah, I'm instructing Moses to do this. When is it going to happen? Well, the Israelites screw up. Well, let's do it again. It's like, finally, we're going to get to some action. This is where we're going to actually start seeing building. Like, who loves looking at blueprints? We want to see the building go up. And it says these people, they keep bringing more than is needed because they believe in this calling. They believe what is needed for the construction of the work. And they're going to give up of everything they have. You know, I love, I was reading, <laughs> I was reading some of the commentaries on this and one of the guys was creating a fundraising approach and it's just called, who wants to be a courtyard contributor? Anybody? Anybody want to be a circle of honor and we'll put you inside the court of the tabernacle? Like there's no sales pitches here. This is the presence of God. Who wants to get behind this? Henry Blackaby says, you go where God is at work. And so can I just challenge you? Whew, you ready for this one? Stop giving money where they're not advancing the kingdom of God. Stop giving money to things that are not fruitful. I'm telling you guys, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our money. We need to go where God is working. And the people here, they got it. And they didn't even need to be convinced. There were no sales pitches. Go to Matthew 6, 21, Kevin, if you would. To me, when you sense that the Spirit of God is moving, you don't have to convince anybody. It says, for where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. In other words, where you give money, that's where your heart is. And so I'm telling you guys, this is what was happening with the Israelites. Oh yeah, the presence of God here. And they kept giving it every single morning. Second Chronicles 24 verse 8. You have King Joash and there's this royal chest. What I like about the story, it has a similar feel of the tabernacle in the abundance of the money that was given. It says at the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside the gate of the Lord's temple. Verse 9, then a proclamation was issued in Judah and Jerusalem that the tax God's servant Moses imposed on Israel in the wilderness be brought to the Lord. Verse 10, all the leaders and all the people, hooray, they rejoiced. They brought the tax and put it in the chest that was outside until it was full. Now watch this. Verse 11, Whenever the chest was brought by the Levites to the king's overseers, and when they saw that there was a large amount of money, nobody stole it. <laughs> it says the king's secretary and the high priest deputy, they came, emptied the chest, picked it up, and returned it to its place. But watch what they did. And they did this daily, and they gathered the money in abundance. When people see and sense that God is in this, money is never short. It was an abundance. And in fact, one more story. It's a pretty cool one. King Hezekiah. Kevin, Kevin can you go to 2 Chronicles 31.10? And all I want to just say is that in this story, in Exodus 36, as they're building, there is an abundance of money. Azariah, the chief priest of the household of Zadok, answered him, Since they began bringing the offering to the Lord's temple, we eat and are satisfied. Now, are you ready for this? And there's plenty left over because the Lord has blessed his people. This abundance is what is left over. Tabernacle, a whole lot of money. Uh, there's a, uh, a chest, a whole lot of money with King Joash. King Hezekiah, a whole lot of money that's left over. When people sense that this is of the Lord, you just don't have to convince them. 
It's kind of why I'm wondering sometimes, and please, please don't hear me say this with time to revive, okay? Pull time to revive out of the picture. How many really want to see revival? How many actually really believe that we're in that point? Or are we okay with staying in this posture of comfortability? Because I believe you would begin to sow into whatever ministry, okay, please hear me say that, whatever ministry, you would begin to sow into them if you believe they were the ones that are getting people ready for the return of Christ. Because that's the, the, the mentality that we have to be in right now. People will give when you sense there's an urgency that the Lord is moving. Think about the woman who poured perfume. Kevin, would you go to Matthew 26, verse 7? Matthew 26, verse 7. Matthew 26, verse 7, it says, A woman approached Jesus with an alabaster jar of very expensive fragrant oil. She poured it on his head as he was reclining at the table. She gave Jesus everything. I actually believe she thought you cannot outgive God. It's a cool picture. Kevin, can you go to Acts 4, verse 34? Acts 4, verse 34, again, I know I'm, I'm camping out here a long time, but I feel like this is a turning point in order to see a move of God. It says, for there was not a needy person among them, Acts 4, verse 34, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold in verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed for each person's basic needs. In the first century, people... First century believers, they didn't have any needs because they continued to take care of each other. When God was moving, yes, I'm going to give up. When I feel a spirit of generosity take over, I need to give up. And so this is a great model all the way back in Exodus 36. In Luke 21, verse 1, he looked up and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. And, you know, for me, I guess it's just like, hey, look at me, I'm giving everything. But it's not about what people see. It's not about names on buildings. It's not about recognition. It has absolutely the complete opposite of what Jesus is asking. He says he saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins in verse 3. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. And in verse 4, he says, for all these people are putting gifts out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live in. And what I love about Exodus 36 is that people are giving up themselves radically with their skills, with their gifts, and with their resources. You know, you point to the kingdom of God. If you come in and you're getting ready for the return of Christ, you cannot come to the table stingy. You cannot come to the table and say, well, I like to do this at my house. I like to do this with my family. I like to do this with my friends. But okay, God, now I'll give you this. No, no, no. That, that's not how I see Scripture. And I think in Exodus 36, we see an example of people giving up everything because they knew that God was on the move. And so if you want to point to everything here, go to Matthew 10, verse 39. And I have to tell you, this isn't easy. This is an exhausting lifestyle. It, it's really, nobody really likes to say, oh yeah, Lord, I'll give everything up. But in Matthew 10, 39, he says, anyone finding his life will lose it. And anyone losing his life because of me will find it. All right, this is not on my teaching, totally off the script, uh, which is totally fine. And normally, this is maybe how I'd communicate at night, not in revived cities, not, not with, with notes. But I think you get the point of today's message. You know, I, every week, every month, I go to Indiana once, one week a month. And I, I get a pour into a group of men that are hungry. But, you know, I sit there on Saturdays. 
And I watch through pictures or FaceTime my three kids that play basketball on Saturdays and then my other child, Maya, that plays on Thursdays. I watch my kids through a stupid little phone and I try to call that parenting. I'm a coach and I'm missing my kids' life. And it'd be really easy to justify. In fact, I was pretty ticked off. Here I am in Saturday, and I'm like, I have to do this for one week a month for two years. But I know the Lord's called me to this, and I know He's gifted me. I know He's the Holy Spirit is in my life to do this. But I can literally chuck it out. I can give it away and say, I don't want to do this. And I can come back, and I can live my life in Dallas, and I can go through the comfortability. But I know how I am skilled. I know how I'm gifted. I know. And I'm telling you, when God asks you to do that, you have to leave what you're doing and go do what He's asking you to do. I'm just going to tell you, it's not easy. I love doing it, though. It's this weird tension of like when you're in your sweet spot, when you're walking out your skill, when you're walking out how God has wired you, it's so rewarding, it's so fulfilling, but it means you have to lose your life. Well, doesn't God know? I, I, yeah, this is great. I, I'd like to build an entrance. I'd be okay with building some slaughter tables or some brazen lavers. Yeah, I'd be okay with building these things. But God, I'd rather, I'd rather be doing a little bit of that back at my house in Dallas. And, and in your mind, you play all these games. And then I go back to these guys. They gave up everything, everything in order for everybody to experience the presence of God. Anyone finding his life will lose it. And anybody losing his life because of me will find it. God's going to get me through this. Uh, I know that. I trust that. I trust that my kids are going to be great. I trust that my wife is going to be great. It's not up for me to decide. When I'm called, I, I have to do that. And so I think that's what you see with these men and women. Their hearts were willing. They were stirred. Because when you pour into these men with Revive School, I'm just going to tell you right now in Indiana, there's nothing more rewarding than watching these men flourish. Because then they are impacting their family. They are impacting the work. They are impacting their county. And I believe a great move of God is coming through these mighty men saying, we're in. And so all of this is totally worth it. 100%, but that doesn't mean it's not, it's not hard at times. And so it says in verse 6 of Exodus 36, you know, I just, hang on, Lord, I just pray right now that if there's anybody just wrestling and stirring, listening, whether it's on airwaves or whether it's on video or you're playing it in your car because you've downloaded it, whatever the context is, Lord, I just pray that people are willing to radically give up their lives if God's asking them to do something. I really mean that, Lord. Maybe, maybe you're asking them to say, I want you to go talk to your neighbor about me. I want you to be bold and tell a story about building the tabernacle. Or maybe somebody's being asked right now in the name of Jesus to give up of multiple financial resources because they're holding on to it because they think it's safe, but just give it up. Whatever, whatever we're holding on to in this moment, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we give it up. In your name we pray. Amen. Interesting enough, after all this offering took place and all the skilled workers came to the table, in verse 6, Moses had to give an order, literally make a plot. He had to send a proclamation throughout the camp. Hey guys, the offerings have stopped. We're good. We, we don't need any more. Make sure nobody else brings anything more. Why? Because in verse 7 it says, the materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. And then here you go, finally, praise the Lord, what we've been waiting for in verse 8, all the skilled craftsmen 
among them, doing those doing the work, made the tabernacle. The work began. The plugs were in. The DeWalt's were on. The Milwaukee Sawzalls began to get going. The Craftsman Hammers. All of the Ace Hardware tools you can think of were in full work. I'm telling you, it was an awesome sight. You could just hear the sounds of... Oh, that, those were the factory guys in, in uh, Elkhart County. You know, all the air, all, uh, air fittings and zzz, zzz, all the RVs. <laughs> you get it. The point is, is that everything began to take place. And so, you know, just as a simple picture, I, I'm really not going to take, I'm not going to walk through this. I'm just going to show you right now what you have is, is that the 10 curtains, okay, were being made. Every began, everybody came together. Then you have the 11 curtains, right? Uh, that talk about uh, the ten cur- 11 curtains that are made of goat hair. And then the next thing you know, you have um, uh, the covering. And what you have here in the covering is with the, the ram skins. The ram skins dyed uh, red. We might have said something else up here. Uh, yeah, badgers. Uh, no, ram skin dyed red, okay? And then also, they're also still making, it's kind of cool, uh, in verse 19, and then it says there's a covering here that talks about uh, the manatee skins. So four, four types of curtains and coverings. Why? Because these skilled people started making it. They left their post and they did this. You know, Jeff, it makes me think of when we met you in Kokomo, Indiana, you left your post. It's not easy. You left your post. Kevin met you in North Dakota. You left your post. Rich, I met you in Nashville doing media, you left your post, you know, Tom, you're uh, working and recruiting in the army, you left your post. And what happened is, is that as you, as all of you were skilled and gifted, God said, okay, I want to pull you from that. You're doing a great thing. I'm going to pull you from that because I, I have a bigger picture in mind. And that's exactly what's happening. Us, everyday people are walking out what he's asking us to do. And in fact, he even says, okay, guys, I want to make a, you're going to make a tabernacle frame. <laughs> Like, I need you to put everything into place. Yeah, you have the coverings, but now let's put the, the frame into place. You got the planks, and then you got to add the, this is kind of cool, the outer structure, okay? I want you to make the outer structure, you know, with the crossbars. Again, all of these people were wired to do this. And then we, we talked about this, but I want you to, I want you to make the veil. Uh, the outer veil right here. And then the inner veil. I want you to make the veil. And, and so all these people are making this. And then it continues to go on. And this is my favorite one. And Rich had to show me where this was. The screen door. I hate replacing screens, just for the record. Uh, this is not the same kind of screen. But then here you have the entrance, right? And so we have all of these things that these people are designing and they're making. And can I just tell you, uh, to wrap all of this up, skilled people who function by... Uh, out of obedience to what the Lord's asking them to do, it points people to the presence of God. And so what you have is Adolf Sefer. He says the tabernacle really has three meanings. Number one, the tabernacle, okay, is a type, a visible illustration of what a heavenly place in which God has his dwelling. Okay, that, that sounds kind of obvious. It's going to be where it's a heavenly place where God is going to bring about his presence. Number two, a tabernacle is a type of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus, then this serves as a picture of how we can meet God through Jesus Christ. And then the third component of what what a tabernacle can imply is that it's a type of Christ inside the church. In other words, there's communion of Jesus with all of the believers. You know what I really mean by that? What it means is it means that we all are a temple 
of the Holy Spirit. We are a tabernacle. We are carrying the presence of God. Isn't this wild, you guys, about how just Bezalel and Oholiab and the skilled workers, they point to making screen and curtains and coverings and frames, and out of that, it ends up pointing to the Messiah. Their obedience points us to being delivered through the Messiah. It's a pretty cool picture of Exodus 36. We're going to do this again tomorrow, and we're going to talk about more of what the skilled people are being asked to make. Bless you all. Have a great day.